Stand. Let's give Brad a hand. That's a great word. You know, he has some really good words he shares on Wednesday nights here. And oh, it's right over here. Uh, I, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about uh, Pastor Doherty. Uh, he's up in heaven now. But when when we had an opportunity to buy land across from uh, Oral Roberts University, and and uh, they needed three point five million dollars, and that was huge amount of money. We had $700,000 in the building fund. And uh, and uh, he said, okay, we'll take you up on that. We'll do that. And the condition was that you had to do it debt-free. You could not borrow the money. And uh, he stood up in front of the congregation one day and said, I believe God's got a way for us to do it. We're taking our building fund of $700,000. We're planting it a seed. We're giving it away at the rate of $100,000 a month for seven months. And everybody went, ah. <laughs> Can you do that? Well, obviously you can, because that's what they did. But uh, in that time, at the 11th hour, by man's clock, through a telethon that Lester Summerall supplied and uh, gave, gave the time to us, at the very 11th hour, we had $3.5 million come in and some change. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Extra zeros plus or minus, are no big deal to God. So whether you need $100 or $1,000 or a $1 million, it's no big deal to God. If you're doing what he says, you can never, ever be diminished when you are giving into the work of God, especially if it involves widows, children. Um, honey, we'll, you will just never be diminished. And uh, so I, I just unapologetically stand before people everywhere and say, if you'll give, you'll never, this money will not diminish you. This money will multiply you. And that just comes from serving a man that had great faith. Thank God that he, God puts us with people that we can grow with. You know, in the beginning, it seemed like way beyond anything we could think about or, or even uh, dream about. But by the time we left there, it was the norm. Everybody say the norm. <laughs> The more you grow in God, the more the supernatural becomes the norm rather than the strange, you know. And so it's good to know that God is who he says he is and see him manifest himself in such great ways. Hey, happy anniversary. Thanks. Did you hear about the guy that they were celebrating their... Uh, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> the, 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 Look at the whole crowd goes... <laughs> they, had, they had been married 40 years. You know, guys sometimes would be forgetful and... It was their anniversary. They're celebrating. Somebody said, how many years have you been, been happily married? And he said, ah, about 30 years. His wife said, honey, it's been 40 years. And he said, he said happily married. <laughs> well, we've been happily married for 34. But we've had a few squabbles in, in the middle of all that. How many of you know that just happened? Yeah, but she finally she <laughs> But finally, I've got it right. She finally got it. Yeah, she finally I got, it, got right. it. I have patience with her. Yeah. You got me a beautiful card. I uh, know, and you got me a beautiful card. This will make me cry. But God, God woke me up in the middle of the night 35 years ago, 34 and a half years ago, and I was crying out to God. And he gave me Pam's name in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, just came to me, woke me up out of a sound sleep. And uh, through a series of events, uh, God opened the door for the two of us to come together. Very unlikely relationship uh some of you know the story better than others we don't have time to tell that no. but, uh, but but super save that for a book but it was supernaturally yes and he said our marriage would be a marriage that would just sh sh share his love with people mm -hmm. and uh, it's been a, a, a an adventure it has been 
and we're we're a lot better now than we were in the beginning. <laughs> Maybe you know we kind I of grow was, on each other. I thought I was good all the way we, through. We've been good all the way through. But how many of you know when you get married? And I had eleven. See, I had thirteen, eleven, and nine-year-olds, and he had sixteen, fourteen, twelve. And the 11, 12, 13, 14 were all boys. <laughs> and uh, the first time we ever had them all for dinner, the grocery bill was like $100 or something. I thought, we can't do this. <laughs> we're all going to starve. Uh, you know, I don't think, or they're going to eat and we're never going to eat. That's for sure. But uh, God took care of it. You know, over time, he, he put it all together. And, but I just say to you today, you know, when you, uh, I had been married and divorced twice. And uh, I got saved out of that second situation. My husband uh, got saved out of the situation in his life. And so when we came together, we had a lot of baggage. But God can fix all of that. You know, God is not, um, he's not caught by surprise when he puts people together. So uh, the plans and purposes are there to make that work. But I have to tell you, it was a work. Everybody say a work. It wasn't like, oh, Hallelujah, we're married. That's what we thought till we got home. <laughs> it, it wasn't the three and the three coming together like the Brady Bunch. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> One day we came home, and this was the scene. It was a, I don't, Bill said it looks like a frat house. I said, I'm not sure what's happening. And uh, one of the boys had, John loves stuffed animals. He was my oldest. And, of course, his brother knew it. And so he and the older brother, of, or the older son of Bill's, they were holding his beloved George out the upstairs window, threatening to drop him, and somebody else had my dog. And, and Bill said, uh, what, are they gonna, what are they doing? I said, I have no idea, but you better get in there and do something about it. I got married so he could be the boss. And then after he was the boss, I didn't like how he bossed. Hey, when do I when do I do that? When do I get to be the boss? By the way, it's not going to happen. I decided. Was it the next thirty five? <laughs> okay. Thirty four years. It's okay. This works. Let's just stay like we are. We're going to stay married and do it right until we get do it right. Did you get that for me, Megan? Did you get that that I sent back for you to get? <laughs> what are we Look doing? it up, and we'll surprise him later. What do we do? <laughs> What it's on your phone. Okay, doing? nothing, honey. Let's go. Okay, let's it. The word of God. The word of God is truth. Is truth. If I live the word. If I live the word. I will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't. And if I don't. I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Tell your neighbor it's just that simple. Just that simple. It really, really is. You know, we. This is the second part in a three-part series on who's in charge of your life, and I know that. If we ask all of you, you would probably give the right answer. If you've been coming to church, well, oh, well, God is in charge. Well, yes, sometimes you probably have him in charge, and sometimes you don't have him in charge. And tonight we're going to be talking about who is leading you. Who is leading you in your decisions? Who is leading you in your thought life? Who is leading you in all that you are doing? And honey, I believe that tonight's message, which is basically going to center on disobedience, uh, on obedience and, and on submission and uh, on, on doing what God 
tells us to do and making sure he's in charge is one of the most important messages in this entire series, if not in life itself. Now, last week we talked about the spirit of power and boldness, and you can get the DVD or get it online if you want to, but but God wants to lead his people. And I know that sometimes I can get a little carried away. You know how I know I can get a little carried away? How? Because you tell me. You're getting a little carried away. So I guess it's true because I, I know do. you don't lie. Because I love you. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, my glasses are messed up. I've got to get a tissue. But anyway, w- what we've got to do is understand that to do the will of God and to really let him lead and guide you, God is not into making requests. So turn to your neighbor and say, God's not asking you what you want to think. God's not asking you what you want. He's not, hey, would you pretty please do this? Or would you pretty? That's not how God works. When God speaks, it's a command. He, his language is a command language. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And how you want to paraphrase it as far as how you hear it is between you and whoever. But, but God's not up there saying, hey, would you pretty please do this if you really want to? And the example that I would use, because some people don't like a firmness. Some people don't like a firm language like that. Now, the devil doesn't like it because, you know, you get firm with the devil. He has to flee. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Mm-hmm. And the other night, our little Dulcie dog has gotten accustomed to sleeping up on the bed there, curling up by Pam, and she started getting a little bit older, and for whatever reason, every once in a while, she was going on the carpet. And so we got all the carpet clean. It looks good, smells good, really nice. And I said, well, the dog is going in the kitchen. Well, the dog had other ideas. Uh, The dog liked curling up like she did, and I walked in there, and I said, now, the dog used to do exactly what I said. And I would go in there, and I'd say, Dulcie, kitchen. Dulcie going in the kitchen, little Yorkie poo, and never had a problem. All of a sudden, I say, kitchen? She just look at me and go like this and go like this and lays her head right back down. And I said, now, Dulcie, you're going to have to understand that I'm going to go up a few decibels if you don't get this. And my beautiful wife said. Well, no, you didn't tell her ahead of time. Yeah, I did. Oh, did you? I, I didn't to hear her you. Her. Yeah, I did. I did. I just heard Dulcie. I talked to her. Yeah, and, and, and I said to Pam, I said, now you get ready for this because the dog is going to eventually mine. Dulcie, kitchen. Well, some people don't like those kind of words. Some people don't like a command language of authority. Some people don't like authority. That's the problem with America, Europe, China. That's the problem with the world. People don't understand the command language of authority. They want everybody to just get along. Don't yell at my Yorkie poo. Well, I could carry that Yorkie poo the rest of her life from the bed to the kitchen, but she doesn't weigh four pounds any longer. She weighs 12 pounds. And so I finally told her the way I wanted to tell her. And the Yorkie just got up off that bed, went to the kitchen, and has gone to the kitchen every night since. And now you don't have to raise your voice. No, no longer. No. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that if I hadn't raised my voice, I would probably still be carrying her. And there is something about people understanding discipline and authority that if they ever get it, God is not asking us, pretty please do this. When he says something, he means do it. 
And it's not like he's a taskmaster to beat on us, but he knows that if we do what he says, the blessings will be there and come upon us and overtake us. And he wants us to be blessed, but he's not going to enable us. And we live in a world today full of narcissistic, self-centered people who have been enabled for so long that they do not know how to follow commands. So clean it up because it's getting real quiet in here. Okay. Well, what happened, I was gone when he first started this regimen. And uh, I was in Tulsa. And she was going to the kitchen every night, but I came home. And she was used to sleeping with me. So when I came home, she just thought things were back to normal. And and so she had a little lesson, and they're still the same. But I I do believe what what Bill said. I don't like loud, and I don't like... Get over it. I know. Um, (laughs) I already did. But sometimes firmness is protection. If you see your child headed for the street and you yell, stop, and they just keep going, and they get hit by a car, then you would, you're glad, you know, that you scream and they stop. Because if you just say, don't go out there, and they just keep going and get hit, then it's going to be, where was the command? Where was the instant obedience? Where was the protection? And that's what God showed me over time was that uh, if you really know who the Lord is, he is called Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is the commander in chief over all the resources of heaven. The angels, uh, there's the angel Gabriel, who's the messenger. There's the angel, archangel Michael, who's the warrior angel. There was Lucifer. And when he disobeyed and began to think that he could do whatever he wanted, he was put out of heaven. Along with him, a third of the angels departed from heaven. It never changed who God is. But there became violence and disobedience. And and, and the enemy eventually, through Eve, got control of the world. Now, I believe that God wants us to obey him so he can protect us. So the Lord God, who is the God of hosts, can keep us safe. And when we're not in obedience, we are not safe. We are not safe. And in, in homes, in families, in schools, everything that we're seeing in this nation that has eroded this nation is a lack of authority and the authority being able to have authority. There's still levels of authority even in our school systems but the amount of authority that they actually have has been decreased to the place where teachers aren't in a position to do what they used to be able to do it's filtered down so far that now we have children that they say and i this is this personal opinion this is not scripture adhd and all these things that we're facing in my heart i believe it's a child that now no longer feels safe and when children don't feel safe, they become uh, very, um, you know, like unnerved. They, they're, 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 they become very anxious. They don't know where the boundaries are. They don't know where the parameters are. And when they don't know that, they get in a position of fear, and they begin to act all of that out. And you get them in a classroom of 30 children, like my daughter has, and there's so many of them that if you can't be that kind of a, a force, 
It's the enemy. Everybody say the enemy. He stirs it up. And therefore, then children can't learn. They can't grow. They can't be peaceful. I believe we have a real dilemma over this very situation. God is not a God to be feared. He's a God to be reverenced. And that means what we do is we respect the fact that he is in control. And if we do what he says, we will be safe. We will be protected from all harm, and we will be blessed. Amen. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, Adam and Eve in the garden, if Adam had just spoke up and used a firm voice with Eve instead of just saying, yeah, give me a bite. No. You know, he no, could no. just say, hold it. I if know where you're going. If he got firm with the devil and said, what are you doing in my garden? That's right. That's right. Now, okay. 1 Corinthians, moving right along. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. <laughs> says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment you got saved, the divine order in your life should have changed. Before you got saved, your mind told your flesh what to do, or your flesh told your mind what to do. Now, see the hands of all the people. You know that's true. Nobody raised their hand. There they go. Very slowly. Okay. You know that's true. You know that's true. Who, who was the problem, your mind or your flesh? Both of them were your problem because what you did in your flesh embedded in your mind, what your mind thought about you did with your flesh, and it was just a vicious cycle of the world of the Antichrist. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in and rebirthed your spirit man, so your spirit man is alive. Now, your spirit man dictates to your mind, and your mind dictates to your flesh, and everything is received from the Holy Spirit. So your communication system of the command network comes into you from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit tells you what to do. You receive it in your spirit. You tell your mind what to do. You command your mind what to do, and your mind commands your flesh flesh, everybody is in a command sequence. Does that make sense to you? And that's the way the divine order, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't yield to the authority structure, you'll circumvent the plan of God in your life. And that's why we've got to get to the point, honey, when we live what Jesus said in John chapter 15. And this is so powerful because God wants to lead. And what I wrote down here was the word is lead, but God wants to command you. Turn to your name and say, God, God wants to command you. Yeah. He wants to tell. How many of you like to be told what to do? How many of you do not like to be told what to do? You got to get over it because God wants to tell you what to do. He wants to tell you what to do. He wants to control every part of your life. And if you don't listen to what he says, you'll take control yourself. Who will lead you? You will. Our, the world will. Our situations and circumstances will. Our emotions will. Our other people will. But if you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit... You're going to live in the realm of what it says in John chapter. We're going to start reading in John chapter 15. We'll go through this real quickly, honey, because we're not going to have a lot of time. But in John chapter 15, uh, verse number 26, it said, Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will testify of me, and you will uh, also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The things I spoke to you that you should not be made to stumble. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to let us stumble. They will put you out of synagogues, and in other words, people are not going to like you if you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, but who cares? How many of you are, know that you are a people pleaser? Okay, okay. 
Now, God is not going to set you free in that area. You are free. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All of you people, please just wave your hands at me. Say, I'm free. So why are you a people pleaser? Because you're operating out of the command chain. You're operating out of the command chain. And then it says, yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think they do a good service for you. And these things will be known to you that you have not known, that have not known the Father nor me. But these things I've told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. In other words, he's saying now you're going to enter into a new dimension. And the new dimension, and that's the next verse we're going to get into is the dimension of the Holy Spirit. I am sending you the command center of the Holy Ghost, and he's going to live in each and every one of you. I was here with you, but now everybody is going to be full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody will have the command structure set up so that you will hear exactly what God's command is. You will entertain that command. You will be led and guided by that command, and that we're going to read in just a moment scripturally everything I had will be yours if you follow the command. We're going to read that in just a moment. Honey, he really set it up very simple for us. But it's who is leading us. And when you listen to that, uh, I believe it puts us in position. You know, a lot of times people get into envy and jealousy and strife and want to be doing something that somebody else is doing. But when you're under command, then you know what your rank is. You know where you fit. Every part of the military is very important. I mean, whatever part you're playing, I have a a new uh, grandson-in-law, I guess is what you call him. He's in the Army, and he just he's out on the field right now in maneuvers. And I'm sure they're not saying, well, I was glad you could make it. They're not saying that to him. You know, I mean, he didn't have a choice. They said, get your equipment and get in the truck. And, and, And I know that he's going through new things. But those things are being taught him and putting him in a position to fulfill his role in the Army for where he will be shipped to next January and have to hold a position. And he isn't going to be the general. He isn't going to be the captain. He is going to be whatever that number of rank he has when he gets there. And in that rank, he will have a job. And if he doesn't do it, his rank will be lower. But that's not because he was a bad boy. That's because he'll get killed if he gets put any higher because he doesn't know how to obey orders or to be able to make it at that grade. That doesn't say you're less than. It says, I'm sitting over here and protecting you till you're ready. Does that make sense? When you think of God like that, you can stop being upset when God says you're not supposed to do that yet. Doesn't mean you're never going to do it, but you may never do it. You do you, this may be, but you got to be the best at that position. And that's what commands bring. They bring confidence in the position that you've been placed in. And and so it's it's a good thing. It's not a, a bad thing. It's a really a good thing. That's good, honey. You know, discipline and authority and obedience and, and a control factor of, of people being submitted to authority used to be prominent in our in our society. It used to be prominent in our in our areas where we lived. It was prominent in our schools, corporal punishment, all of those things that are very, very scriptural. And people in the military, going in the military constantly. Now we have a decrease of people in the military. We have a decrease of authority in the schools, just like Pam said. Where are children learning the authority structure 
other than what they are being enabled to do because of rights. Now, there are no rights in the realm of the Spirit. You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit or you're wrong. <laughs> you're either doing what is right or you're doing what is wrong. And when we get into that structure, I read a report the other day of, of, the, of the percentage of Americans that are no longer going into the military. Where are they going to learn discipline, obedience, authority, and love for country? They're not getting it in their school systems. They're not getting it in most of our universities. They're not getting it, period. And what we've got to do is get it in the body of Christ so that we understand the message of grace, unmerited favor, is a dispensation we live in from now until the end. But it is not a message to continue to live in your life the way you want to live it. It is not a substitute for submission to God. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor, tell him I'm getting it. Now, I thank God for when I went in the military, and we're going to show you just a little clip here in just a moment. But now I go away to him who sent me. Now, this is Jesus still talking. And none of you ask me, where am I going? But because I've said these things, you have sorrow in your heart. In other words, well, don't leave us. But he said, it's better that I go away. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, you and I know a lot about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what we knew then, that this was a tag team match. Jesus was coming down, defeating the works of the devil, defeating powers, principalities, and then he was going to go back to the Father. He was going to send the Holy Spirit, and everything that he had, we would have. Think about that just for a moment. Everything Jesus had, we would have. Everything to accomplish the will of God the command of God Jesus had. And I'm going to show you this in just a moment. And then he goes on to say, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to be with the Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, honey, verse 13, 14, and 15 is some of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. And you can go ahead and read them. But basically, what it says is, the Holy Spirit, the power of Almighty God, is going to show you, command you, talk to you, tell you, and that everything He tells you to do, He's going to guide you in it, and everything you have need of is going to be provided. These three scriptures. Uh, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears would be from the Father. He will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Everything that Jesus had, we have. Turn to your name and tell him you've got everything. So when we look at situations or circumstances that we let to control us, our control factor and our command factor has gotten out of whack because we are not disciplining ourselves and being obedient to do what God has called us to do. How many of you know right now and, and uh, that, that there are things in your life that God has told you to do that you're not doing? Because see your hands. Now, if you continue along that vein, the way God wants to use you and bless you 
is not going to happen because you're stymieing the command structure. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? In, in other words, the blessing of God won't come if you're not doing what he tells you to do because he's, he's equipped you to be able to accomplish it. What we do is he tells us what to do, and we think, well, I don't know if I can do that or not. And, and, and what happens a lot of times is, number one, it, it, the two things that you need are discipline and obedience. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need more discipline and you need more obedience. This may be the only time you can do it. Honey, you, mean, you need more discipline. You need more obedience to go where he wants you to go. Because he can't take you if he knows you're not going to be following his command. But if he knows you're going to follow his command, then he can take you anywhere. Now, the biggest challenge we have is a disobedient mind. In other words, your mind is out of sync with what the Holy Ghost is telling you. Your mind can short-circuit the leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows you what to do. Your mind starts to reason it away. You don't want to do it. You act like you don't hear it, etc., etc., whatever reason. And then what's happening is we begin to short-circuit the command structure. Now, a lot of people don't like to suffer. Suffering is part of serving. Turn to your neighbors. Tell suffering is just part of serving. I heard T.D. Jake share this uh, several years ago at Victory, uh, but he'd lost so much weight I didn't even recognize him. I asked who he was. I thought he was somebody representing him, but uh, he'd lost, he said he lost a whole person. Now, I saw him the other day, though. I think the person came back, but anyway, I love T.D. Jakes. I really do. I really do, but T.D. Uh, has always struggled with some weight things, but he said, they said, how did, how did you lose that whole person? He said, I suffered. He said, and the whole body of Christ needs to learn how to suffer. And he preached a whole message on suffering. It was an excellent message. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, that says, uh, I, I've never understood the fullness of this scripture, but I've, it always has resonated in me. That Jesus, though he was the son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Jesus himself suffered. There are times when God will have us do something that can bring suffering. He'll have you do something that you just, wow, what if they don't like me over this or what if this happens? You better do what God tells you to do. Otherwise, you're not going to have what God wants you to have. It's, it's truly just that simple. How many of you have ever disciplined a child and it was worse on you than them? I mean, a following through and holding your ground and saying you won't have the car for a week through all the thrashing. Now it's, I'm taking your phone. Have you ever said that to a teenager? That's like throwing gasoline on oil. <laughs> Kids love to communicate. You take their phone, they're just like, how could you do that to me? They never think about what they did to get in that position. It turns on, and you have to hold your ground. Everybody say, hold your ground. God will hold his ground in order to bring us into a place where we can do what he wants us to do. Because these plans of God are big. But you can't, uh, I heard Brother Copeland say, you know, he taught his, his son to, to shoot a, a gun. And he got so excited, he saw a spider on the side of the barn, and he was about to shoot the spider. And he grabbed the gun because he knew he was going to blow the whole side of the barn in. But all he saw was the little spider, but Kenneth saw the real problem. And God's not going to give power to a bunch of his people at a level that they can't handle it because he can't, oh, they won't obey. Does that make sense? No more than I would give 
my grandson, who's going to be 15, who now thinks he can drive. He hadn't even been in the car yet. But he's going to be 15, so he thinks at 15 you start driving. Well, that's true, but we're going to practice. How, how many of you agree, you know? And we're going to and, – and, you know, the people who are teaching him to, dri- to drive decide if he can, not, not what he thinks he can do. Because how many of you know you think you can do things? But, see, God wants you to know that you can only do what he says you can do. Does that make sense? How many of you would just love to have your child yelled at, screamed at, and kind of seemingly suffering from being beaten down? Nobody, right? But what if that type of thing would deliver your son from drugs, from the hold of the devil? What if that type of suffering would set that child free? Every single one of you would want it. Well, I don't want anybody to talk like that to my child. One of the best things that happened to me was when I came out of high school thinking I knew everything. And uh, I saw the sands of Iwo Jima, and I had a friend home on leave from the Marine Corps. And we all went out and got drunk one night. And he said, why don't you become a Marine? I said, why not? And, uh, and, and went in the Marine Corps. And uh, as a real smart butt, you know, I don't mean butt, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and and uh, that's, you know, that's who arrived at uh, San Diego. And, and I found out very shortly that I didn't know as much as I thought. As a matter of fact, if I didn't shut up, they were going to kill me. <laughs> and not only that, they're going to rip my head off and redo my whole brain. Now, I understand that you have to put all this together in the context of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that one of the biggest problems today is the body of Christ. It is not the devil. It is not powers and principalities. It is the body of Christ being complacent, not being watchmen on the wall, not speaking the word of God in truth and in love, but being more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks. And the only thing that's important is what God thinks. Now, I don't know how this is going to be received, but go ahead and run it because I believe this is what Bill Winston uses in his church for his leaders. And he shared it. At, uh, I, we know Bill from the Tulsa days, and I talked to him when he shared this a few years back, and it's the Marine Corps boot camp indoctrination film. But go ahead and show it. Crank it up loud. Let's go. This scared the crap out of me when the bus pulled out. I can relate to this right now. You're now aboard Marine Corps Crew Depot, Paris Island, South Carolina. You're taking the first step to becoming a member of the world's finest fighting force, the United States Marine Corps. The Marine Corps' success depends upon teamwork. Therefore, teamwork will be an essential part of your training here at Paris Island. You would live... Eat, sleep, and train as a team. The words I, me, or my will no longer be a part of your vocabulary. You will use words such as this recruit, that recruit, these recruits. Do you understand? Yes, sir! Tens of thousands of Marines have begun outstanding service to our country on the very footprints in which you stand today. You will carry on that proud tradition. Do you understand? Yes, sir! Staff from the Tunnel. Our mission is to train 
you to become a United States Marine. A Marine is characterized as one who possesses the highest in military virtues. He obeys orders, respects his seniors, and strives constantly to be the very best in everything he does. Discipline and spirit are the hallmarks of a Marine. Each of you can become a Marine if you develop discipline and spirit. We will give every effort to train you, even after some of you have given up on yourselves. Starting now, you will treat me and all other Marines with the highest of respect. For we have earned our place as Marines and will accept nothing less than that from you. We will treat you as we do our fellow Marines, with fairness, firmness, dignity, and compassion. At no time will you be physically or You came here for a reason. Don't forget why you came here. You said you wanted to be one all your life. But this place gets hard, especially these first two weeks. You tell yourself, this is what it takes to become a Marine. This is what I do. You came here for something great. Be something great, okay? In my opinion, the biggest challenge was basically becoming bigger than yourself to reach inside and to give 110 all, all the time. The toughest thing I would have to say was coming from the forming phase and as soon as you get here to learning discipline to working up to the crucible to get out of courage commitment is something that you live it's not something that's you just carry and then when they're gone and they're not around you do what you want to do it's the complete opposite honor courage commitment is something that you live and you breathe and all of our drill instructors have been as it was before now i'm extremely motivated determined a complete transformation of who i was to who i am now from everything from loyalty to just the discipline to the, the pride of, of belonging so being a Marine now is a lifestyle change. It's so much more than just being part of an organization. It's joining a brotherhood, joining a family. If you come from a place where you didn't have a family, you had no discipline. In the last 12 weeks, we have transformed over 200 plus recruits at one point, now Marines, into a family that is willing to fight and ready to fight for our country. You know, every branch of the service has their own boot camp, and they're all awesome, I'm sure. This just is the one I'm familiar with. But we have joined the finest fighting force on the face of the earth. We have joined the fighting force of Almighty God. And we have been infused with everything that we have need of to carry out every assignment that is given to us. And once we focus on the unity of the Spirit, Ephesians 4.3, not unity with people, that will come. Unity of the Holy Spirit, focused upon the unity of the Holy Spirit and bringing people to that unity. We have everything that we have need of to bring forth the will of God, the command of Almighty God. And we are a force to be reckoned with if we will ever recognize who we are, what we are, and what we have. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to give you this scripture because, honey, I, I know that sometimes I, you know, I, I can may, maybe become a little bit carried away. But I believe that many people don't understand the importance of just doing what they know God is telling them to do. And when I, I love people. But when I'm around a person who tells me, well, I know what God's telling me to do, but I just don't really want to do it. I just wonder, why are we having the conversation? Why are you even, what, what's, what is wrong with you? Don't you realize how stupid that sounds? Paul said, I desire you not be ignorant. So I could use that word, right? Because one day I used that word stupid, and you thought that was a little too strong. But I believe that the body of Christ, many times, and individuals are walking right off the edge of the cliff when they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? to anybody but me and may, maybe it's just me i don't know but 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience. That's talking about you and me. Punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, we get to the point when we are so tenacious, we are not going to accept anything that is out of the chain of command. God said it, that settles it, that's the way it's going to be. You know, that scripture, I used to always hear that clear down through verse 5, um, bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. But in one situation, the Lord said to me, read on. It says, I'm being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And that a lot of times people try to change disobedience in situations when their own life is not in obedience. Yeah. Everybody say, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. And so, uh, you know, I, I see that especially with um, uh, younger people. You know, they see and they, they see, uh, uh, even in Christianity, people, adults saying one thing, but they live their life a different way, but they tell them, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, that's that's a person who's trying to put disobedience in another situation under their control when they're not even obedient themselves. I want to tell you, the devil will not stay out of that mess. He will be right in the middle of it from day one. And that's why I believe we see so much rebellion in young people today is because they've seen those things and they rebel against that. And the people that are trying to put that on them are the people that are not in obedience already. They know themselves. And uh, over the years in ministry, I've, I've been so, uh, I, I'm not shocked anymore, but in the beginning I was, when I would minister to young people who were on drugs and it was their mother or their father who got the pot for them and they all smoked it together. It was the mother or the father who said, it's okay to drink just as long as you stay in the house. It was the mother and the father who bought their cigarettes and things like that. Now, listen, I smoke two packs a day and hope that God would never say quit. I mean, I liked smoking. It helped me keep my sanity with three kids by myself. So I kept cigarettes lit just in case God did say stop. And so, you know, I always had one lit before the other went out just in case, you know. And so I'm not putting down smoking. I couldn't drink because it made me sick or I probably would have done that. But the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And when authority is trying, the person who's supposed to be in authority is trying to impose authority on a person when their own life isn't right, that person will know it. And those are two rebellious spirits, and they will begin to fight, and nobody will win in that situation. And I, want, I just want to leave with this, and you can say whatever, but, you know, David was a, a man out in a field shepherding sheep. But in that place, he learned who the Lord Sabaoth was. I mean, he said, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear, and this giant, who is he? But he didn't say because of I've killed a lion or I've killed a bear. He said because I've watched God help me kill a lion, help me kill a bear. And his obedience to God is what caused him to be able to say. And and he said to to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. That's what the devil comes with. All those things. But he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom, uh, had, whom you have defied. 
it isn't he doesn't see it as him he sees it as god and he says this day the lord will deliver you into my hand see that's a person who's under authority who recognizes that that authority is going to cause them to win does that make sense but it was his obedience that got him in this place i will smite you and take your head from you i will give you to the carcasses of the host of the philistines this day until and to the fowls of the air the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a god in israel and all this assembly shall know that the lord saves not by sword not by spear but the battle and of the is the lord's and he will give you into our hands i think it's time to take the enemy out in situations and circumstances but the way we do that is when we're obedient to god and when we speak we're speaking for the lord sabaoth the god who is the god of host the god who is the commander-in-chief and we put him in that position and i think when he's in that position in our heart there's nothing that we cannot accomplish because jesus defeated the enemy we will defeat the enemy if we're in that position of submission to god that's a great word. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to, uh, Pam's going to pray for you here, but then I, I just want to share this with you, is everything, when you study the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there is not one single time when the people were obedient to God that God's will was not done. And some people will say, well, what about Jesus and the cross? That was God's will. That was God's plan. Uh, man didn't do that to Jesus. That was God's plan. Now, man caused it to happen because of the fall, but the plan for God to send his son to the cross and everything that happened, that was God's command. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, if there's another way, let it happen, it was the command of God that he yielded to. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is your command? You're going to the cross. In the old covenant, every victory was won when they did exactly what God said. When they didn't do what God said and they didn't follow this command, they went into captivity. They lost everything they had. And then they cried out to God. And then they got restored again. And then they lost it all over again. I believe that's a description of the body of Christ today. I believe God set this country aside for his glory and for the church to be the dominant force on this earth in this country right now in America. And I believe that when we get to the point, when we come back to our original intent of just saying, am I obedient to the commands of God? Am I doing what God told me to do in every situation? And we get back to that point when we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit and we say, God, here am I. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. And then as he begins to speak to you in those small places of little things that he might be saying to you to do, he's watching to see if he can trust you. And if he can trust you, then he can give you more. And he can give you another assignment. But he can't put you where he wants you to go until he knows he can trust you that you will follow his commands. And that's no different than the forces in the military. They would watch. And I know this is true in every branch. But I know it's true in my branch. You would watch a man. And if he would follow orders, you could promote that man and promote that man and promote that man. And then you'd have a man who was right here. And he'd always be the same rank always the same why because he could not be trusted to do the commands that he was given god is watching his eyes are searching for who can he trust to use mightily in these last days and we are in the last days sweetheart i'm going to let you close because i know i can get carried away about this but i believe that 
every problem in the world will be solved the minute we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and follow the commands of the Holy Spirit because God knows exactly what he's doing and God knows we don't, but he does. You know, um, I've, I had a really strong father. He, he wasn't one that, um, he was never mean at all, but um, I remember his, his business was across the street from our house and uh, we would be giving my, my mom a hard time sometimes. It, you probably never did this with your mom. But we would be giving Lou a hard time, you know. And then we'd get sent to our room, you know, and and uh, by mom. And we'd be saying things we shouldn't be shouting or acting up. And then we'd look out the window and daddy would, we'd see him coming across the street. Man, I mean, we zipped it. He thought mother was nuts and we were perfect. He didn't know why we were in our room. But I know he really knew. But but we would say, we don't know what's the matter with her. She just has gone wacko. I mean, we've been just, we weren't doing a thing. But my dad knew what was going on. And I had a real reverence for my father. I, I wasn't afraid of my dad. But I also never, ever felt like my dad would not take care of me. Never. I knew he'd take care of me. Uh his strength was that he was in command. And I think when I got saved and knew the Lord, that's why I had no problem with God uh, taking over in that arena of my life. Because it was like, it's okay, because I could equate him with my father. But there's some people that have had really, really mean parents. I, I've met a few of them in my counseling situations. Uh, people who've been very mean to their children. And uh, I would just like to pray for you tonight. If you've lived under that kind of structure, if it's going to be very difficult for you to ever receive what we're saying tonight. And But what it's going to do is because you can't receive it, it's going to keep you in harm's way. And we don't want to see you in harm's way. We want to see you in a safe place. And the only safe place is under the authority of God. And so I would like for you to bow your heads. And if that's you tonight, you know who you are. Uh, this message, when you hear it, makes you like get nervous inside like if uh, you know i i don't want to be submitted to evil god doesn't ask you to submit to evil i've had women come and counsel with me i've even seen where a, a woman was beating up a man believe it or not and so you know that there, there god doesn't put us in a position to be physically abused if you heard that military guy he said you will never be physically harmed but you will be brought into a place where you walk under authority so we can do this and be protected and everybody will be protected there is a safety in god it says in psalm 91 he who dwells in the shadow of god almighty that means he who stays in the obedience to god will be safe it says no plague will come near your dwelling place he will satisfy you with long life so god is a good god and whatever that has been in your life that has been against you but appeared to be an authority that was evil, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hands. Yeah, this has happened. We thank you, Jesus, tonight for healing. Yeah, just keep your hands up. And I'm going to have Christians around you put their hands on because we're about out of time. But I want people to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that this is not your plan. It's not your will. 
And we just bind the devil. We take authority and dominion over that kind of a force that's been in their life. And we thank you tonight that you've brought this word to show them that you are not a God who abuses people. You are a God who saves people. You're a God who says, get under my wing, get under my authority, get under my love, which is to love me above all other things. And that when you get under that place, you will be safe. You will not have to fear. In Jesus' name, you will be safe from the evils of this world. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for healing tonight in those places. You may have said, oh, I've raised my hand before. Well, I'm telling you, God heals sometimes fully and other times it's just degrees, more and more and more. So in this place right now, you receive what God is doing in your life. And now I pray also for those that are here, Lord, tonight, that they know in their heart, I am doing some things that I know I need to change. I thank you, Father, that you will show them how to walk that out. Because I know in my life, you have said to me when you've told me to change, you've always said, I will be with you and I will show you what to do. And I trust that you will show us, Lord, how to stay in position for what we're about to face, even tomorrow. Some of you will face things tomorrow. Some of you will face things next week. Some of you will be in a situation to help somebody that's going to face things. And they're going to need somebody there to say, God is going to make a way where there is no way right now in your life. And you're going to know that because that's who he is. And you're going to be able to speak into their life and bring them into a place of safety. In Jesus' name, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you have done mighty things in our midst. And we hear you, Holy Spirit. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we trust you. And we yield our hearts and our minds to you. If you're here tonight and you lifted your hand about being right with Jesus and you want to come down here to the front, I'll pray with you before you leave. But I want everybody to say this. I am a child of God. I can live free, free from fear of man. I can live whole, healed, saved, delivered. I can walk in power and authority because Jesus made a way for me. I do not walk the way the world walks. I walk according to the word of God, according to God's plan. And everywhere I go, I have favor. I have favor with God and with man in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Yeah. Give God praise. Go and be blessed.